0: Welcome, everybody, to the Undisrupted Podcast. I'm Carl, joined, of course, with my lovely and salty co-host, Adam. Um, (laughs) Adam... I have a question for you. This has been an interesting thing going around here in Austin, and that is that this kind of, this idea that teachers are being forced into the classroom again. So, you know, schools are forcing them back in. We have some, some parents that just can't have kids in their, school, in, their, in their houses for whatever reason. And so they're coming up with all these creative ideas and solutions for the classroom. Um, share with the, our listeners one of the ideas that you happen to stumble upon recently when it comes
1: to that. I mean, you know what, this is so amazing, the creativity and innovation of educators. Uh, sons yeah. what teacher literally literally uh put a tent you know like the the yard sale tents that you yeah. or a football the game sports tent. tents yeah. yeah have one of those in their classroom and they put like um uh, the shower curtains all around them and like taped it off like so it's it's almost like that scene in in the ET when they come in there and they like yes. uh, surround the house and everything <laughs> Like bubble boy. How's she gonna breathe in that thing? (laughs) I thought one, she actually just put like shower curtain rods and like pins and everything around it. It's like, you know, uh, people are doing various things to be creative. Uh, I've seen some teachers, she was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna put plastic bubbles around my kids. And she's literally like looking for like those inflatable like bouncing things for kids when they want to come to her. Okay. They're having Go a concert.
0: There's a, I can't remember the name of the band, but there's a band that's doing a concert pretty soon, and that's what they're doing. Everybody in the show, they come, it's a live show. You come, but you have oh, to yeah, get in yeah, one yeah. of the bubbles, so you just have like mosh pits where they're just bouncing off of each other. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine. So with that, let me invite in our guest. This is Caroline Little. She's the director of instructional technology at ISD 199 up there in Minnesota. You can follow her on Twitter at Caroline M. Little. Caroline, welcome. What do you think about all that? Teachers going back, creative ideas. What have you seen or come across up there?
2: Hi, yeah, we, um, yeah, there has been some crazy things. And I'm always impressed with what, when you walk into a classroom and see what people have. I've seen people walking around with with a yardstick, which seems (laughs) kind of old school. But, you know, measuring kids like, hey, you're too close, you're too close, you know. Um, Oh, hula hoops, I mean, all kinds of things, you know. Chalk, everywhere, just trying to keep themselves and the kids, distanced and safe. So, um, we have not seen any um, big bubbles yet, Adam. Though no, I think people would, are gonna like that. that we should idea. market
1: that and put a, and yeah, yeah. Put a logo on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, there you go.
1: But you know the the crazy thing, and this kind of shows the um, the the community that our teachers have been creating. So, I mean, there's so many of these Facebook groups out there, like you know, teaching during COVID nineteen. Um, if there's a group for it, you can find it on social media. I mean, there's a Pinterest board on ways to uh, secure your classroom from your students. <laughs> it's almost like they have the plague, <laughs> like Night of the Living
0: Dead. <laughs> I mean, in some ways this has really forced them into social, a lot of teachers into social media more than I thought they ever maybe would be in the Facebook groups. You're right, man, they're everywhere. Um, We always start out of course with a fun question. So I'm going to start, I'm going to throw this one at you, Carolyn. I'll see if you're ready for this one. Explain to our listeners, what is, what exactly is a cheese curd and who makes the best one?
2: (laughs) Well, if you don't know about a cheese curd, um, the cheese curd is a chunk of cheese in its inception at first, but then you batter it usually in a beer batter and then fry it up. And uh, you have yourself a really delicious, amazing, I'm going like this cause it's gooey. It's, it stretches
0: out. Yes. For those of you that are uh, listening, she's using the hand signs of
2: stretch. This would be a huge debate here. Uh, who makes the best? I personally um, love the cheese curds at Shamrock's Irish Pub, Um, but people would say probably the Minnesota State Fair cheese curd is the best, and since we didn't have the Minnesota State Fair this year, there's lots of little um, pop-up cheese curd stands all over, so... (laughs) People are it's, testing them out everywhere.
0: Just like the sports tent, Adam. They got the little pop-up cheese curd tents. They're popping up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, to add to it, you know, you have to dip it in, like, ranch or something because it sounds like it's not very it, – yeah, that way it's it's a little healthier.
2: <laughs> ranch makes everything better, so
0: for sure. Well, you did yeah, a good but, job on that. Good job on that. Ranch and bacon grease. <laughs> Ooh, the bacon cheese curd would be legit. That would be legit.
1: So like, other than like, um, you know, people trying to sneak cheese curd um, in the buildings. um, You know, when we talk about the school year, uh, we had last season where we were talking to everybody about, you know, uh, getting ready for the start of the school year. Um, Now that we've started, kind of let us know, um, basically, how has it gone so far this school year? Um, And with that, what issues uh, that have come up that you didn't foresee?
2: Um, I would say we overall have felt really positive about once we got going and started and kids um, were in our building. So we are doing a hybrid model. um, And then in addition, the state of Minnesota um, put out to families that if families chose to go 100% online, every district um, had to provide that. So that was new for us. We didn't have a full online program. So we sort of built, have been, I don't wanna say built, we are building that plane as we're flying it for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, But it really does feel like everything got off the ground pretty well. Um, The anxiety went down a lot once the kids got there and we realized, hey, we're actually all gonna be okay. Um, But I would say, as I've thought about this, I just think the importance of really listening to people Um, and really having empathy for what they're going through. So Mm. it's so easy to go on the defense or feel like, oh, I have to hurry up and fix this for people. But it's really just listening and hearing what their experience is and then how can we support them. But vice versa too. I think everybody has been working so hard. It's just having an understanding um, of where each different group is coming from and where their anxiety is coming from and then how You know, for us in the tech world, it's like, well, okay, well, what can we do to help alleviate some of that anxiety and help make that learning experience better for the kids? Um, And that being said, I think that whole idea of going slow to go fast, um, you know, we we have a lot of really awesome tools we can use, but let's just start with really getting to know Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's just really figure that out. So that whether you're full time online or you are um, doing, you know, hybrid, so you're doing some distance learning, knowing realistically we'll probably end up in full time distance mm-hmm. learning. Let's just use, you know, find some of those really key digital tools and learn how to use them really well, rather than feeling overwhelmed with, oh, I have to learn all of this right away. Um, yeah, so and so I- that's our takeaway, you know, from the start. And so with that,
1: like with those tools, um, how have you really uh, been able to incorporate your parents in, um, you know, getting them up to speed uh, with the start of school year with with the tools that you're trying to maximize?
2: Yes. So we, um, that has been, I feel like that has been one of our challenges for sure. Um, Because as a district, we're really getting our educators up to speed too, and then our kids and then getting our families. So we've tried really hard to put a lot of resources out there for families. Um, Our instructional tech specialists have built a website for families to be able to go to. A lot of our teachers are just learning to make very quick videos and they'll send them out, whether it's through Seesaw or Schoology. Um, So a lot of it is kind of on the fly. At the district level, we've set up a whole support structure where families can um, call in. We do say you're probably going to leave a voicemail and we'll get back to you. Um, we have a dedicated email address for family support. Um, and we have a person on my team who her whole job is connecting with families with some of the issues that they've been having. And I think having that personal connection has really has really made a difference. Um, and again, going back to that idea of empathy, I mean, I think people, they really understand that we're working hard on our end and our people understand how hard they're working on their end. And so that, I think that just makes a difference, that whole idea of relationship too. Right.
0: So you're, you're talking about the video part of it and it, it made me think, you know, that's, that's a best practice we've been talking about for years. I know that you and I, well, the three of us have known each other for quite a while. So we've, we've been kind of preaching this to teachers for a while and now they're starting to use it, which is great. So let me ask you this, what do you think, like let's say magically in a year, this is all over, right? Or in a few months it's all over. Um, and those of you that are listening. I mean, we're in the middle of this. is October. Probably this is probably November when they're listening. But at the same time, you know, this will probably still be going on for quite a while. What are some tools that you think? Um, what are some tools or techniques that teachers should probably keep with them in their toolkit after this? Like when things go back to quote unquote normal.
2: Yeah, um, we. <laughs> We're calling, we're starting to call those COVID opportunities. So <laughs> Co- <laughs> our COVID, COVID ops, yeah. yeah. like COVID
0: ops, but COVID ops. Oh, okay. I get it. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. That's
2: a good one. COVID. Oh, wait.
0: That, oh, I just, I just had okay, trademark. We, we just yeah. got a hashtag. Hold on. I'm, I'm <laughs> buying the, the domain right now. COVID ops.
2: Um, I think, you know, the, I mean, the video is big and you just said that Carl, but I mean, yeah. And I, to your point, we've been talking about that for a long time. I mean, I think that's really big, giving kids an opportunity to watch a lesson and then be able to go back um, and look at it again. I think the opportunity for assessment, all the different ways. I mean, our whole toolbox of digital tools now all of a sudden are things that kids are using every day to show what they're learning um, because they have to be able to show their teacher in some more Um, non-traditional ways than they had before. And I have, a. I mean, I just feel like the whole system is going to shift a little bit. Um, And I think the understanding that the digital tools are all part of the day-to-day, not something extra. Again, something we've talked about and um, been talking to people about for a long time, but that real understanding that this is just part of what we're doing and how we're getting to the, to the end game, right?
0: Right. It's not just reserved for that last month of school when, like, oh, the testing's done. Let's go ahead and right. take out some technology and learn how to use Book Creator today. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, wait. We're
2: doing yeah. Yeah. like, no, yeah. we're gonna use Flipgrid. So because you're at home and you're gonna show me or tell me um, what you were learning while you were outside and it was snowing today or whatever. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always that thing. It's like now that we've done all the work, let's do the fun stuff and use do technology. It's
2: like what? Right. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, well, you know, I know COVID has been like a a big topic of course since, um, I don't know, uh, January, February, March in the country. But, um, you know, we've had a, a lot of different things that have, have come up, um, especially in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, so in, in this season of our, our podcast, we are asking tech leaders, you know, how are you uh, addressing equity issues, um, you know, in your space? You know, what strategies uh, have you used or what a, what is your district looking at? Or, and what information or what advice could you give other tech leaders as they're looking from there in their seat how to address various equity issues that they may be facing in their in their spaces?
2: Um, yeah, that is a great question. We talk about this all the time, and we really want to put things in place so that all of our learners have access to whatever we're doing. Um, you know, some of the things we kind of started with, We're fortunate because we have one to one devices in our district. So, that was that equity issue is off the table right away. Every kid has a device, was able to take a device home. And then we have opportunities, have worked really hard to make sure everybody has the internet access that they need. Um, So, trying really hard just to take those barriers out right away. Um, for us one of the things that we came across in talking about synchronous learning opportunities because the state of Minnesota has said in order to count attendance you have to have a meaningful contact with your teacher every day so Mm -hmm. that can be um, interpreted in multiple ways Mm -hmm. Um, but for our full-time online for example you know we they have some synchronous learning that happens every day well We want to be sure that all of our kids can access that, but they may be in homes where we don't feel comfortable saying, you have to be on at 10 o'clock every day, right? Because maybe I have to babysit my little brother and sister at 10 o'clock every day, but I can get on at four, um, but I can't get on at that time. So we really try to pull those barriers out to the best of our ability and design a program so that it can be, it has flexibility built Mm -hmm. in. In that
1: way, um, and that's that's really good there because I think uh, a lot of times, as as adults, as educators, um, we come from a, a place of privilege. Ultimately, I think you know, ed- education is really uh, along the lines of that middle class America, uh, what we perceive middle class America. So we say, hey, why aren't you up at eight a.m.? Why don't you turn on your cameras? And we've had to remind, like, and you know my district teachers, you can't make the kid turn on their camera. I mean, there could be a lot going on that you're not aware of, you know. Yeah. Um, in their household yeah. that they don't want their other friends to see. Um, you know, we actually had a kid who was doing this stuff in the, they were homeless, we found out later, um, but they were in the car. Um, and so they were doing it in the in the car outside of um, a building. You know, they're in the car all day. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, they didn't want to have it on.
2: Yeah, we had some of that too. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a huge one to, you just can't expect to be, you're essentially being invited into their space, their home, whether their home at that moment is a car or it's you know, their bedroom, whatever, wherever it might be. Um, you can't really say you have to let me into your home, which yeah. is basically what we're saying when we say you have to turn your camera on. Now, can I engage you in a different way to make sure that you're there okay. and you're learning? Sure. Um, and I think that's part of the trick of the work that we're doing is how do we continue to engage kids we have one, like our middle school, for example, we have one um, teacher who travels around um, in his truck with another, with a paraprofessional and to help the kids that are either doing distance learning or the full-time online kids. And they can either meet him where he is, they kind of know where he is, or, um, you know, they can touch base with him, but he's sort of like our roving um I don't know, help center really. (laughs) Um, and it's awesome and the kids love it and they can see him and connect with him. Um, and it's just another way to reach out and make sure kids are getting engaged and to, um, just kind of break that barrier down of we're here to help you. And if you can't come to us, we'll come to you. And so just trying to find creative ways to do that.
0: And speaking of barriers, I know that, you know, as you and I have held similar positions for years in this, on the instructional tech side, and Adam's kind of on the evil side, or I mean, he's on the um, hardware side <laughs> of tech. And uh, there's always that uncomfortable moment of, uh, I guess you would say a marriage, right, of where the instructional side and the technical side sometimes don't see eye to eye. Um, so talk to me about that idea and that strategy. What are some things you've done to kind of help you know, be a counselor, I guess, of sorts when it comes to the marriage of, uh, to strengthen the marriage between IT and and curriculum.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm in a unique situation because in a small district, I kind of have to, I have to do part of what Adam's doing or oversee it at least too, right? So one of the things with my team is we constantly talk about any decision we make, the end game has to do with the kids. How is this going to make things better for the kids? Sometimes it's not even better for the teachers, but it's better for the kids. Um, because ultimately they are our top customer. Um, but we really try to, and I feel so fortunate. I have such a great team behind me. They, they get it. Um, I did bring them a whole bag of nerds, of Halloween nerds <laughs> today. Good start. Nerds start for candy. the nerds, you know. Um, nice. But they really get it and have really good relationships. But I think the other part of that marriage is with that curriculum and instruction. Um, I see a lot of districts where you might have instructional technology and curriculum instruction and they're both kind of doing the same thing but they're not doing it together
0: right
2: and so then you end up disjointed and um we really make almost all of our decisions together that have you know that are instructional about digital tools we do um you know our curriculum and instruction department of learning, they're not just picking something and telling me, we actually pick it together. Um, And bring teachers into it um, and talk about it and just continue to strengthen that relationship to the point that um, it's kind of like left hand, right hand. And I really think that that has brought us further along um, than some districts have found themselves. And I think that has made when we finally got up and running, it helped to really make it feel more successful or mm-hmm. um, smoother because there was we weren't disjointed. I mean, we were speaking mm-hmm. the same language. And um, I don't know, that relationship, that mar- I mean, it is like a marriage, we believe. It's like a marriage. It takes, um, work. Yeah. It takes work. It <laughs> yes. does take work. Yes. This is very true. Let me, let me
1: ask you, let me ask you this because one thing that I've noticed actually, um, and this is like one of the good things I think that's come from uh being isolated is that I actually meet with my curriculum department more. Um, you know, those you know, before we only did face-to-face meetings, and even though you know we've all probably been pushing for virtual meetings for years now, yes. but now now everybody's doing it. So it's it's pretty simple to say, hey, let me just invite you to my room real quick and let's talk about that implementation real quick, or let me get you up to speed. So I know for me, I've been meeting with my curriculum department more.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think we definitely have too. I think from the beginning, you know, when March happened and it was like, all right, we're shutting down. I mean, I feel like we've spent some real good quality. We had worked together very closely before that, but um, we definitely just in, you know, running learning design teams. And again, going back like digital tools, all of those things, we are meeting so much more um, because all those decisions weigh on both of us now so heavily too.
0: And I know Adam, you've been always pretty passionate about that idea too, that somebody on that side has to have a seat at the table when it comes to the cabinet level, I don't know, Caroline, how it's sometimes the organization makes a big difference too, like how they have everything set up. But when those bigger decisions are happening, is there a representative? Are you representing that department? How does that work?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, we're a small district, so both the director of learning and myself are both on cabinet. So, um, and so we have direct contact with our school board too and do a lot of, you know, we have a lot of conversations with them. Um, and if they have questions about things, you know, they'll reach out directly to us. Um, so we are definitely have, we definitely have a voice at that table, which is which is great. Yep. And I, for me, coming from a more instructional side of tech rather than a technical side of tech, I know enough technical to be dangerous and to, you know, <laughs> to supervise it. Um, but I think, I just have a different lens, and it's really important for me that people understand that again, tech is not just something separate. That we are we are part of the family, right?
1: Yep, for sure. <laughs> not not the redheaded stepchild or that yeah. cousin or uncle you don't talk about anymore. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
2: unless, unless the Wi-Fi goes out, then I don't. Then I don't. Have
1: yes, it's like oh, I don't know. That's someone else. That's not me. I yeah. don't know who that is. So yeah. yeah, I blame facilities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: They for sure cut something
1: so um this is one thing that we uh always want to ask our our guests as they come on um because we have millions and millions Millions. (laughs) of subscribers out there don't forget hit that like button Uh, (laughs) subscribe (laughs) but um you know I'm asking, and we're asking, could you provide some, some words of encouragement, something to really you know, keep people going during this time? We really want to keep them undisrupted.
2: Oh, it's so hard to think about being undisrupted in a world that's so disrupted right now, right? But I, I mean, I really believe that you just have to get up every day and sort of feel like knowing something's probably not going to go right. <laughs> But feeling like it, that's okay because everybody's, I know it's almost cliche, but everybody's doing the best work that they can. And you know, as long as we continue to try, do our best to support students, teachers, continue those relationships with families within our community um, and continue listening to people, the work that we do is going to keep moving forward. I mean, I feel like as ed tech leaders, we are in a very um, unique, what what did we say? COVID ops. Yeah, COVID (laughs)
1: ops. COVID ops.
2: Um, Because we're really moving, If this wasn't so terrible, it would, we'd think this was amazing because right. we're moving people forward in a way that I don't think any of us ever dreamed and people love it. I mean, they are feeling great about what we're doing and I think we have to just always remember, look for the good things that are coming out on those days that are really hard to stop and say, wow, let's just stop and take a look at where we are because um, from, as ed tech leaders, we have come a long way in a very short amount of time and um, we're gonna keep moving that way.
0: Yeah, and we're, so. uh, we're, always, we're always talking about the future, right? And this is future ready, and we're always like, oh, that future, and it's kind of this squishy space that's way, way out there, and all of a sudden, it's like it's met right up with the present, and we're right on the cusp of that, and I think that's kind of the neat thing of all this pressure and the COVID ops and, and all the things that have happened. But uh, I wanna thank you, Caroline, for joining us. Plug yourself, tell us, all this. where can our listeners find you and your great work, and you and your district?
2: Um, we are in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota, um and what else
0: where can we find you can we follow you somewhere not like not like like to the next cheese curd station but
2: (laughs) (laughs) at the state fair um i'm on twitter at caroline m little um and that's pretty much where i'll put my thoughts and ideas out there
0: Well, I want to thank you again for joining us Um, and for our listeners out there, be sure to subscribe and give us a review. Of course, we'd appreciate it if you give us a shout out on the the show. We may actually bring in those reviews into future shows, just so you know. So go ahead and drop a review in there. This has been the Undisrupted Podcast brought to you by Future Ready Schools. He's Adam. You can find him on Twitter at AskAdam3.
1: And he's Carl, and you can find him at Mr. Hooker. And remember, we're better together and we are better. Undisrupted.
0: Undisrupted. Sort of. There we go. We made it. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Amazon Web Services.